0: Hands Euro 2020 special, Terry. We're I'm, only a year I'm, late with it.
1: It is, so it's been it five years since the last one, and now we're fully into it. uh Brexit or not, we're all in Europe for the next. Yeah, uh,
0: I'm, I'm, we were there for the last one, but there's absolutely no chance of us getting to it this time, unfortunately. So yeah. we're going to chew over the thrills and spills, and frankly, the near tragedy of the opening round of. Uh, games in the tournament and later we'll be previewing the Titanic Scotland-England clash. We'll be joined by rock and roll football host and spitting image stalwart uh, Matt Ford and we're just going to basically try and um, uh, chew the fat about um, lots of stuff including the opening ceremony Terry Uh, that's the best place to start is at the very beginning so we had a bit of a curious egg of an opening ceremony featuring the massive, discombobulated, holographic head of Bono. I suppose you'd call it a hollow bono would you, Terry?
1: (laughs) That's very true. I mean, it was a bit bizarre because the opening ceremony, I thought, evoked, you know, Italian 90. They had Andrea Bocelli doing uh, Nessun Dorma, which was a, you know, it's a fantastic football anthem. And then all of a sudden, they, they brought out this kind of Euro anthem with The Edge and Martin Garrix, the DJ, you know, strumming away, no discernible guitar parts in that song and then all of a sudden this like you say hologram hollow bono turned up so uh and not the man himself he was there apparently yeah i
0: i can't said very fortunate not to have seen it other than just the still of his uh, <laughs> s- slightly decrepit looking head uh and uh poor the poor wee edge you know was like a little kind of flea uh, beneath him in um, the stadio olympico
1: I kind of wonder if he gets dragged along by Bono. You know, Bono says, "Let's come along and strum." <laughs> <laughs> Maybe he carries Bono's microphone case or something. Um, but it, it, it did. I mean, it, I mean, was It was quite funny. After no, not as funny as the um, the little remote controlled car that brought the ball on yeah so, so volkswagen are clearly a sponsor of the event and they put a ball in like the the top of the thing it fitted quite nicely and then some guy zoomed it out to the center circle the referee picked it up and then the thing zoomed back again so it seems i mean I, I guess they're trying to think how they can wedge sponsorships into into any game at any time sort of thing but...
0: well well indeed uh, and uh, just to backtrack a wee bit to andrea bocelli And, uh, I I mean, the uh, Nelson Dorma Dorma is very redolent of uh, World Cups gone by. And, um, yeah, it it almost brought a little tear to my eye watching that, even though somebody was trying to point out that he was miming, although I'm not really sure that he was. He's got a good enough voice. He should be able to do it first time, eh?
1: I I did wonder if it was mimed because it was slightly... I don't know if the picture was out of sync, but his voice was was slightly out. But, I mean, I'd like to think he was doing it live, but... uh... But it was very good and nice to see Italy get a wedding with the home home team in that particular place. But it is a bit strange because it's not it's all discom it is, you know, all over the place discombobulated. I mean there's games in Baku and there's games in Glasgow and London and Budapest and um so it does but I don't think that's really hurt it so far, I don't think so.
0: Uh I I don't think so. I mean we we've had uh, two full houses in um uh countries run run in an uh, autocratic fashion. So we had uh Portugal-Hungary last night, which would be my, my pick of the games um, so far. And uh, we've also got Turkey-Wales, which is um, drawing to a close as we, we speak. Although I'm looking at that, I don't think even that's uh, entirely full as the no, stadiums go.
1: No, and the funniest thing I saw this week was uh, Robbie Savage, um, who alluded to the fact that uh, Turkey, sorry, Turkey was on borders with Azerbaijan. And I think it was Gabby Logan uh, pointed out to the fact that that Armenia sits in between... Turkey Azerbaijan, um, given the fact they had a massive war recently uh, back and forward. So uh, although Turkey is very well connected to Azerbaijan, it's you know it's kind of a brother nation so to speak. But uh,
0: yeah, and uh, you know uh, Robbie and and uh, factual accuracy are, are, are uh, kind of strangers most of the time anyway, aren't they? So well, uh, yeah, yeah
1: it's been but having Roy Keane though, which is uh, quite quite funny that of them actually. So but uh, indeed,
0: we'll go back on to Roy due course in our interview with uh, Matt Ford. Um, uh, a couple of things um really um uh, caught the eye over the last couple of days i, I came in from work to um find the um a danish players in, in a huddle around christian ericsson and uh, you'd have oh, to man. say uh, terry uh, that, that uh, the danes uh, come out of this very well for all sorts of reasons first of all they've obviously uh, saved ericsson's life the uh, they're protected his privacy and um uh, you know they um, you know conducted themselves with uh, panache and elegance and uh, UEFA are the ones who come out of this looking very bad indeed.
1: Yeah, I don't know why yeah. they just didn't it, you know they kept them waiting for an hour and a half and then you know I don't even, you're not gonna get the full story I guess from anybody but you know this idea of they were offered a chance to play it that night or play it the next day. Um, and you think the classy thing from UEFA would have said look and I don't think Finland would have complained let's just call it a draw. Yeah, and gave both teams a point, and we'll we'll just we'll just you know carry on sort of thing. But because the game when it did resume, Finland, you know, I th- I, found, I felt sorry for them because obviously they you know, didn't want to, you know, they, they won the game obviously. I think they felt a bit embarrassed by that. But how could the players have played though? I don't understand that at all. You know how they would have. Eaten. Well, well
0: indeed, uh, and and uh, I, I suppose um, Ericsson, uh had the good fortune to to have this incident on the pitch with. Um, Medics at uh, at close hand, and um, you know I think everybody wishes him well. Uh, even a um, an ardent non-Spurs fan like me could always appreciate <laughs> he was a, a, a terrifically talented player, and let's hope he does get back to playing uh, football at some sort of
1: level. I think so, and it was very, very good that the, the hospital they took him to he was directly across the road from the stadium. So there was you know the times involved these things was, was very quick, and uh, so fingers crossed. And I obviously Denmark will play again, and next time they play Belgium so you'd like to think they'll be certainly fired up for that sort of thing so but
0: uh, yeah no. and uh, on to um, uh, one other um, interesting part of the tournament so far is the uh, relative fall uh, from grace of um, two um, you know uh, European uh, stalwart powerhouse countries um, footballing countries Germany and Spain they've both uh, made a very leaden start to this tournament Terry
1: yeah I mean Spain are interesting because so, first of all, they played on a field, which looked horrendous. Um, you see all these fantastic stadiums, and then you see this... They played in Seville with this kind of pitch that had loads of bubbles on it and stuff. They had a very young team, so that's obviously... used to get the coaches obviously, trying to build a new team. They had a, a European record of passes in the game, and 85% possession, 900-something passes, and they didn't manage to score. And, although Alvaro Morata did miss a sitter, actually, which is his... He usually does that, so... Um, but I was most unimpressed with Spain, and I was willing Sweden to win at the end. I think so. Yeah. That point. Um, but Spain, yeah, I think they're in. I think the term is in transition. That's what they say, isn't it? so?
0: Well, in, indeed. But Murata um, is a very hot and cold type of uh, striker, isn't he? And, and uh, you, you know, you, you can't but think that there must be um, other options that Spain will have up front to um, you, you know get them something more of a cutting edge.
1: No, and then obviously Germany weren't great either, but they're about to lose their manager and change out, so you wonder how motivated they are. Um, but, um, yeah. Yeah, they... I mean, they,
0: they did have the excuse of playing France, who did a, a very good job in neutralising them as well. I thought, I thought, actually, in midfield, Germany looked uh, really lacking in imagination. I mean, uh, OK, they were up against a very strong French midfield, but uh, guys like Kroos just weren't able to make any impact on the game at all.
1: No, and even the ex city player, um, what do you call him, Sani, came on and didn't do very much either. Kind of faffed about. Um, yeah, I thought, yeah, particularly uninspiring, the Germans. And um, I mean, it was unfortunate they lost to an own goal, obviously. It was Hummels in his own net, and they had a, a, a Babi score late on, but it was offside. But I think France were going to get a lot better. And I mean, you look at their front line and you go, my God, that's, that's just who's going to be able to stop them, you know? So. Um,
0: yeah, well, I, I think somebody could stop them. I mean, uh, Germany, obviously, we're, we're, we're not the team to do it. Um, Belgium, we've got a fantastic squad there. Um, uh, they right ranked world number one at the moment. And if you look at the quality of players they have on the bench, Terry, Kevin De Bruyne, who's come back from injury, obviously, and Eden Hazard, and they, they've got a lot of firepower up front as well, haven't they?
1: I, w- I would think so. I think, I Bel- think so. Belgium are, are like second favourites out of that list. and I kind of wonder... You know, Belgium's a pretty small country. You know how they've managed to develop. You know, I guess it's a bit like Holland back in the days in the sort of the seventies. They've developed this this sort of conveyor belt of players, and this is the golden generation. But someone did point out other night that this is possibly the the last hurrah for this golden generation. Maybe this one in the next World Cup, and then they're going to have to, someone will will start to sort of re- not say retire, but sort of move out of it. But I, I think Belgium should yeah. do pretty well, actually. so.
0: Well, we, we we've heard this before, haven't we? I mean, Portugal—they had a golden uh, generation with with uh, some fantastic, uh, fantastic players um, in the early Ronaldo uh, era, who've been a uh, gone, you know, Paulo Futre and guys like that. And um, yet, um, they've been winning tournaments towards the end of his career, and um, they've certainly got a, a, a fantastic squad. And uh, Ronaldo's still banging them in. He is. You're a big fan of Pepe, aren't you? I love Pepe. Uh, (laughs) If there's a player who's bound to get up the nose of the opposition, it's him. He's a pantomime villain. And I do wonder if he actually goes actively out at the end of the um, uh, uh, qualification stage. And pick up a few uh, yellow cards to make sure he gets suspended, but you know, not so it affects his ability to participate in the final because he'd be damn sure he'd be there at the start of the the finals. One well, can't be entirely sure he'll be there for for the uh, uh, the the knockout bit.
1: No, that's true. And uh, and one story I saw yesterday about Ronaldo, who you know, obviously a bit of a legend of a player, but he was doing his press release press conference um, with all the UEFA you know sponsors logos and that card thing behind him. And there was a, two bottles of Coke that were you know, plumped right in front, you know, and he he made a very good point of lifting him off, putting him on the floor and taking a bottle of water and sort of making a comment in Portuguese that this was what you should be drinking and not Coca Cola. So I thought that was very well made for him actually. So.
0: Well, that's the sort of discipline um, that's uh, led him to uh, be, you know, one of the very few players who would have played in five uh, European championships have been starting back in 2004 and the guy's still going. I don't think he'll make another one, mind you, but uh, he, he he's still very much the um, heart and soul of that team, isn't yeah.
1: he? And, and one other thing I saw this week: people a lot of complaining about the Wembley, not the pitch itself, but the television picture. Because obviously, that the pitch now was completely sort of half in sunlight um, and half in a shadow. Um, which, when you look back at through the Wembley pictures in the past, certainly Euro '96, for example, the Scotland game, it's it's that's not the case. So the new stadium casts this short shadow across the pitch. And, they may uh, be spun around, don't they?
0: Seriously. Well, they might
1: have done, actually. But, what, but the other thing, they played Kieran Trippier, who's a right-back at left-back, and I saw some pundit made the comment that maybe that was because he's he spent the last year in uh, in Spain and he just likes the side with the sunshine. <laughs> which was the left which was the left-hand side of the pitch so there we go I don't, I don't think that's true actually so, but uh, anyway there good
0: go. any um, any other stuff to wrap up before we go to our interview Terry
1: I don't think so I mean the only other comment which always makes me laugh is that Raheem Sterling was born in the, it says the shadow of Wembley which makes me think was he born in a bus or something yeah um, <laughs> Um, but they always say they have these wonderful facts to it, sort of thing. So I thought that, that was quite amusing. But no, I think it's been a good tournament. I think I enjoyed the. I did see it live the Holland against uh, Ukraine game, which I think was quite entertaining. And um, I think I think given some of the, some of the smaller teams are going to do quite well. I think so. It's going to be very interesting. And obviously, yeah. the, our guest this week. So we had. Oh, he I, I was. I thought he was absolutely fantastic. Our guest this week. I mean, he's he, Matt Ford. So you described him as a, an impressionist. He's an author, he's a comedian, and we we got we got him on just to talk about the big one.
0: Yeah, here he is. Uh, today's guest is quite the Renaissance man. He's a spitting image stalwart, a TV writer as well as host of Absolute Radio's Rock and Roll Football. Welcome to our podcast, Matt Ford. Thank you, thank you for having me here. It's a pleasure.
1: Yeah, I mean, you know,
0: pleasure is all ours. Uh, it's been a strange year, and we've all been desperate for a bit of diversion, so the build-up to this week must have been a fever pitch for you, given that this is your very first Four Idle Hands appearance, Matt.
2: Oh, well, this oh. has just been... Um, I, I haven't slept a wink. Um, <laughs> David Marshall has really taken the pressure off me, I feel. <laughs> no, no, no,
1: no,
0: we'll talk about him later. <laughs>
1: Uh, I do, I still feel sorry for him. So I so, do.
2: I feel so bad for him.
1: I mean, it, it's just, when you, you watch it again, A, it's a tremendous, well, and we'll get to this in a bit, but A, it's a tremendous goal by the long check guy, but he just looks, and it's the memes of him lying in the goals afterwards. I know, I know, it's brutal. I mean, in a way, what's great about the memes is, I guess
2: they're quite gentle. You know, it's not, f- I mean, not only the ones I've seen have been like ferocious or nasty, but in a way... I'm not sure if that actually makes it worse. You know, it's just so hard. You don't want any individual to go through that because, obviously, if you lose 2-0, that's a collective reflection yeah. of the way the entire you'd, you know, the strikers didn't do their job you know so it's not the problem of the goalkeepers it's the i think being the goalkeeper is the most psychological position on the pitch from an england point of view you know think what we went through with scott carson rob green robinson you know they were just like there was a period where it's just howler after howler, and they basically psychologically it broke people playing in goal for england so but, you, well, don't wanna, you
0: don't want to you don't want to do that to your own you know it's just so difficult
1: no and, and i, I on, I'm, I'm,
0: Oh, no. Sorry, Terry. And, and the other thing is um, they would not have got to the tournament in the first place. Well, the finals anyway, had it not been for David Marshall.
2: Yes. Yeah. I mean, yes. that is really important to remember. Yeah, absolutely. You know, his heroics got you there. Um, I, I just feel so, you know, it's just so awful. And again, from an England perspective, we've been there It was Beckham for a while where it's all put on one person and that's just never fair.
1: But it, it reminds me of though I used to coach uh, kids football, you know, sort of like primary seven football. And when the goalie was bored, he used to wander up to talk to the centre backs because no. he not, had nothing else to do. And that's what <laughs> I, I wondered if that's what he was doing. He was ch- chatting to Liam, Liam Cooper like, "What's for tea tonight, Liam?" And then suddenly the ball came pinging back, and it was a goal. So, but um... I mean, in his in his slight defence, the role of the
2: goalkeeper is slightly different now in modern football. And you know they do have to be better with their feet, and they do kind of have a role to play in playing out from the back and stuff. But surely you don't have to be, yeah, that involved.
1: And I don't want to put the nation against this because, I live here. But I've never seen any Scottish goalkeeper as a sweeper keeper. Um, even Jim Layton his head, or Andy Gorham who couldn't really Andy Gorham was good because he, he couldn't move out of penalty box he was too slow so, 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 so he just stayed there anyway we will, we, will, we will get to Scotland in a bit so Matt I am a big fan of rock and roll football on Absolute Radio so for those who haven't listened what's the premise of that show then? So firstly thank you very much secondly it, it was, it's a
2: really good question because I only found this out fairly recently it was a show invented by Chris Evans Oh. Um, back in the day. So he was the first host of it. And um, he apparently came up with it in a, the bath. And the idea was was that it's for people who want to know what's going on with the football. But, you know, if you're in a couple or whatever, or you're listening with someone who doesn't want to just listen to the full commentary, or you don't, you also get good music. So it's you get the best of both worlds, really. You get the benefit of having the radio on and the music, you know, yeah. The benefit that listening to music has on people makes them feel good, and they like listening to songs they like. Plus, football results and a bit of funny chat. So, uh, I can't take the credit for the 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 the, uh, the idea behind the show, but it's it's cool that it comes from uh, you know such a such a radio legend.
1: Okay, cool, cool.
0: And it, it, uh, it throws up a, a couple of interesting uh, kind of uh, things as well, Matt. Uh, I mean, obviously, you, you, you have a, um, a talent for mimicking uh, other people. And, you know, I was listening to your, uh, your recent show, that an interview with uh, Sven uh, Goren Eriksson on it. And it, it took me about a minute or two to, to uh, you know, finally come to the conclusion that you were actually interviewing him and, and that it wasn't uh, a piss take.
2: I mean, I suppose that is the, the the tricky side of it is some of the running jokes that we've done. I mean, obviously, it's one of those shows that other people have hosted and then you, you just have to make it your own. So all the things we do on the show now are all things that Matt Dyson, who co-hosts it with me and I, have come up with. So we have sections where we get people to put ideas to Roy Keane and he rants about them. And it's me doing, to be frank, a terrible impression of Roy Keane. <laughs> um, Go on then. Oh, it's just so <laughs> bad but. People will say, people might text and say, "What does Roy think about um, uh, you know fully grown men who whiten their teeth?" I got. A, I can't say I got a major problem with it. You know, I, I think people have got the right to have good teeth. I don't. People judging each other for that. You know, it's better than having bad teeth. You know, whatever it is. You know, whatever, whichever way Roy goes on the day, in my terrible version of him, which I fully accept is not one of my marquee voices, but um, in a way that brings its own comedy, right? Uh, I yeah. hope so. I um, wish,
1: uh, yeah, yeah, good one.
2: But yes, you're <laughs> yep. right. If, if you're on a show where you're going, oh, we've got Roy Keane on now and you haven't, and then you go, this is genuinely Sven, you're an Ericsson. It hasn't occurred <laughs> to me now that actually people listening at the weekend will probably have thought, that's just him doing one of his crap voices. There'll be people sat at home going, that doesn't sound anything like
1: Sven. I knew that was him doing it. But but Sven, uh. Sven is quite comedic, even even as Sven, though. I mean, he was so cool. I mean, and then there was the whole, who was the girl he was with, though? Oh, Faria Lam, was Nancy. that? Nancy. Not, okay, Nancy an Dolio, it? Nancy that Delolio, oh, that's right. Oh my god. So, yeah. No, obviously the show you mentioned the Matt Dyson, you host who does the, the breakfast show, and obviously you both of you, I would say, are Uber Nottingham Forest fans. Yeah. So so we have a couple of questions for you about Nottingham Forest. This is a bit unfair. Okay. So the first one here, right, is who was the last the last Forest player to win a full England cap?
2: Oh my god. Well it depend what while they played for Forest
1: Yes. Yeah. 95 ninety five, ninety six. Uh Steve Stone. Oh too easy. Got Actually, it in one. Too easy.
0: Okay, let's try another one. Three Dutchmen have been capped by their country while playing at Forest. Name as many of them as you can, Matt.
2: Um Johnny Method. Oh. Brian Roy, Pierre Van Hoydonk. Oh, well,
1: <laughs> Michael Hudson, Hans van Brooklyn. Oh you got him. Yeah, you
2: got him. <laughs> Gets in there.
1: Now, I listened to your Chris Kamara podcast you met Brian Clough.
2: Oh man, yes. I was very lucky to meet him a couple of times. I was a mascot for one of his last ever games. And that was in the first season of the Premier League, 92-93. And I was a mascot on the 3rd of March, 93, against Crystal Palace. We drew one all. Um, but I um, was a very nervous lad at the time. would have been 10 years old. And have uh, was suffering then, and still suffer now with eczema, which back then was a lot around my mouth and face, and made me very self-conscious and nervous. And um, I got introduced to him. And being a mascot, I mean, I don't know what it's like now, but now back then you were the only one. And, and there's a period where you're just in the changing room with the players. Roy Keane was bollock naked in front of me. I mean, there's a period of time <laughs> where I could have picked Roy Keane's cock out of a lineup. It was so seared. I was like, am I meant to be in here? You know, there's fully grown men and it's... Back then, changing rooms aren't what they are now. You know, they weren't like... <laughs> they're not like Spurs' thing. It was like a spaceship. which was fairly grotty. And then Clough, this incredible, charismatic authority figure who was in a bad way. And even as a kid, you know, you pick up on so much as a kid. And I could tell... You know, anyway. He goes, uh, they introduce you to him. And they say, oh, Matthew, this is the manager, Mr Clough. Mr Clough, this is the mascot, Matthew. And he went bloody hell son you are an ugly bugger <laughs> He goes. what have you been doing all afternoon headbutting pizzas i said uh, <gasps> no um my name's matthew and then he went, "Oh, i'm gonna give you granddad brian a kiss and he kissed me on the head he then takes me <laughs> through to the physios room and goes we got anything for this young man's face and um <laughs> i mean it's so surreal Anyway, there's a kind of side note to this story that they gave me something called Betnovate, which is really strong. It's steroid-based. And um, I used to have to go to the doctors a lot. I had terrible asthma and eczema growing up as a kid. And it sorted it out. And I went back. And, you know, when you're a kid, you have to go with your parents, obviously. So my mum would go with me. And uh, the doctor was like, oh, my God. You you know, your face is incredible. What's happened? Have you taken wheat out of your diet or dairy? I said, oh, no, no, I've got betonavate. Because you cannot put it on your face. It's steroid-based. I think it was developed on horses. Where on earth did you get it? And I said, oh, um, uh, uh, Brian Clough gave it me. And he immediately changed. And he went, you met Brian Clough? My mum went, hold on a second. Is that thing going to make his head drop off? can he keep using it. Anyway, I mean, for years, I've still used up on my body or a version of that, different versions of ointments in that um, class. So, you know, in short, Cloughy cured my eczema. That's a whole
1: podcast
0: in itself, really, isn't it? It it is. Uh, And moving on to the international scene, Matt, uh, what's your earliest memory of watching England play and do you have a particular favourite tournament over the years?
2: Oh, Italia 90 was my favourite. I'd have been seven at that age. And I think I just... Obviously, when I was growing up, I was born in 1982, so I totally missed the real white heat of the Clough Revolution at Forest. I was born after the European Cup success and winning the league. But I was really lucky to grow up in a time when... Stuart Pierce was playing for Forest and Des Walker and Nigel Clough and Neil Webb, and Clough was still the manager. And we were going to Wembley and winning stuff. So Forest were big when I was growing up. I mean, you don't appreciate it at that age, but you know, the team that your granddad and that your uncle and your mum support are going to Wembley and stuff like that. So it was kind of around, it was kind of swirling. And then Italia 90 was what absolutely hooked me. And it was just. Obviously, you don't really have a concept of what a World Cup is or you know whether England are good or bad or anything like that. But it was just this whole thing that, oh my God, that's Stuart Pearce and Des and they play for Forest, And then obviously, the, the momentum of getting to the World Cup semi-final, I was just transfixed by Gascoigne. Yeah. And I found it so distressing to see him cry on telly. And it just made a huge impact on me for so many reasons. And from that point on, that's I was it. absolutely fully hooked, yeah.
1: Well, I, I went to Italia ninety, so I, I was Amazing. I was living in Ireland at the time, but my girlfriend who is my mom, is was Scottish and they'd already booked a holiday. So was? I, is wife, sorry. <laughs> married, no Was
2: Scottish, I thought you
1: said was like, what? She changed. No, pretty sure she's still Scottish. She's transitioned yeah. to being <laughs> Irish. <laughs> <laughs> Irish. So we went to Italia ninety and, and the, the uh, car rental guy at Pisa Airport could get his ticket. So the first game <gasps> we went to was Scotland Sweden. Oh And uh, Scotland lost to Costa Rica. They beat Sweden. And I remember coming out in Genoa on a sort of a steamy Wednesday night and a a Scottish broadcasting legend, Doogie Donnelly, was standing on the pavement. And (gasps) and I was at the front of this crowd of people and he grabbed me to be interviewed. And when he realised I wasn't Scottish, I was just discarded (laughs) into the gutter. Um, and the, the next person who was Scottish obviously oh a fantastic win for Scotland but it was a it was a fantastic tournament though and we ended up going to see uh, Ireland against Romania with Paddy Bonner saving the penalty yes yeah and then when I finally moved to Scotland um, sorry this leads down to a Paddy Bonner cock story sorry um, <laughs> my, my son was a massive Paddy Bonner fan at the Taudry when he played for Celtic I said could I get his autograph and he ushered me into the Celtic dressing room and he was Bollock naked. <laughs> <Uh-oh>. <laughs> so, uh oh. So I signed his call. Co- I mean, he signed my uh, program. <laughs> and that was that. So now, I, I, wow. I, moving on from that story. So, I mean, music plays a big part in football these days. And obviously, England, as opposed to Scotland, probably had some of the better tunes. So, what would be your favourite? I've got a feeling you're a bit of an Anton Deck fan.
2: I love that song. I really love We're (laughs) On The Ball. I mean, it's odd that it doesn't get... I don't think it gets the credit deserved. I mean, it's really odd. I mean, obviously, the difference for for Scotland and England, although actually, our two biggest, Three Lions and uh, World in Motion, are are, are tournaments that Scotland was at. But um, for a while, Three Lions... It's taken Three Lions a while to get there. To get to number one, I think in people's hearts, and it probably is slightly generational. World in Motion was seen as a superior song for a while, but Three Lines has that chant element, and I just think it's it's far better. I think Three Lines is probably the best. Yeah, World in Motion is second, but I think on the ball, I think he's not just like third, but a strong third, and I think it's a great catchy song. I think it's funny, it's daft, and the I just think it's so catchy. I love the bit at the end, and it reminds me, I think, of that tournament in Japan and South Korea, where obviously it didn't go well for England, but um, we went 1-0 up against Brazil. It was a really good fun being able to legally go to the pub at half six in the morning. It was a mad <laughs> time. You're like this is... It was basically just like, it made you realise like f- football matters so much to people that the government are going to let the pubs open at that time. <laughs> it was surreal.
1: It was like it's probably the booziest summer of my life. That sounds pretty good. I mean, it's, I like, heard- they've been released three lions now because it's 25 years and last sunday i walked into the HMV in aberdeen michael and asked if they had a copy and the guy shouted across the counter with the whole shop could hear do you have any of those three lions and i got <laughs> everybody looking at me obviously sort of thing no right, I... and the
0: other thing i learned uh, this week with regard to the uh, uh, football songs was uh, peter hook was interviewed and uh, had suggested that they were going to do reboots of uh, World in Motion with David Beckham doing the rap. Uh, they approached the FA about it, and they said, "No, nah, we've already got this song from Anton Deck." Well,
2: first, first, first things first, that is one of the best decisions the FA has ever made. <laughs> and it is not an organisation with a track record of great decision making. So you, can't, you can't touch songs like that. You know what? That would be, and I know it would be them doing a cover of their own song, but it's like when the John Lewis advert ruins a great song for you. You go, <laughs> oh, you can't touch. Don't ruin it because there'd always be a part of you when you hear the original that you love. It, it worms its way in. The the terrible second go at it, although actually the three lines second go wasn't bad, but they did that immediately for ninety eight. So in a way, it was like a kind of um, it, sequel yeah, rather was, than a kind of comeback.
1: Yeah, and it was the same people, wasn't it? So yes, I mean it wasn't like sort of you know sort of Kylie Minogue did it or something.
2: Oh be- <laughs> <laughs> I me mean, my god! It, it's like but it's like Live Aid 2, isn't it, or whatever they call it? You know when they do Band Aid. Do yeah. they know it's Christmas? You're like just you're going to have to write a new song now. Just get a load of really... T- just ask Noel Gallagher to do it.
1: My uh, my favourite Scottish song, by the way, is Delamitri, Don't Come Home oh, Too Soon, which I'm sure... whiskey called- on
2: their breath. What a tune.
1: <laughs> it was played. I heard it last night on radio going home, and I thought, that's just a bit depressing today. So
2: I think. Oh, but it's a great song. It's a really good song. I mean, that's the lesson, isn't it? Get people who write really good songs to do it. New Order wrote really good songs. The Lightning Seeds wrote really catchy songs... Delamitri write really good songs. Yeah. That,
1: and, that's the crucial thing, is get people who actually already know how to do it. And and what's funny about Scotland is, obviously, the, the song everyone plays now is, is the Baccarat, Yes Sir I Can Boogie. Yes. A, and that, that came about from and, Aberdeen's Andrew Considine playing it in the dressing room. And then he didn't even get picked for the squad. I mean... <laughs> a, but, he must hate that song now. <laughs> I think he probably will be sitting there. So anyway. Boogie
2: on your own, you fuckers. You left me
0: out. <laughs> Yeah, uh, we've got to talk about the big one on Friday, Matt, the return of the old enemy to Wembley. Do you think London's ready for a reboot of that Braveheart scene where they painted their faces with woad and bared all in a socially distanced fashion in the fountains (laughs) of Trafalgar Square? Well,
2: I mean, purely obviously COVID kind of ruins it. I mean, obviously COVID has ruined things far more profound than um, the Tartan army being able to take over Trafalgar Square in the way that they usually do, but it's a bit of a shame that it, it, you won't get that this year because it's such a big part of England-Scotland games at Wembley is the Tartan Army and the atmosphere they bring I went to the last England-Scotland game at Wembley the World Cup qualifier which must have been around November time because both teams wore the poppy and there was the whole thing about that oh and, yeah uh, that's right but the, the Tartan Army are incredible away support I mean of the games I've been to at Wembley obviously and I think was too young really to be able to go to Euro 96 um and I didn't have older siblings or stuff. It was just sort of too hard. But um, when I moved to London, I just decided I would go and see as much stuff at Wembley as I possibly could. England games, gigs, everything. As a child, I grew up, just Wembley had this magic about it. And I think it does for a lot of people around the world, you know, for a lot of reasons, not just football, live aid and all sorts of things. Um, so I've been to see a lot of qualifiers and a lot of friendlies at Wembley. And there are only, I would say, two games at Wembley that stand out. Oh, oh, three. Three that stand out for atmosphere. One was Poland, because and I think that was in a qualifier, when they basically took over the stadium. The second was Scotland, when they basically took over the stadium. <laughs> and the third one was the Croatia game in the Nations League when we beat them the other year, and that was, you know, on the back of the World Cup semi-final. But the Scotland game, the Tartan army, have fun, they are a phenomenal asset to Scotland. They are an amazing, just engine of atmosphere. And I just think, Let's see what Wembley's like on Friday, because as Gary Linnaker said the other day, I think there will be a lot more Scottish people in the stadium than people think, and uh, I think that home advantage isn't necessarily there for England uh, at Wembley when they play Scotland, because Scotland just have such a, a phenomenal away support uh, that I think that could that could sort of nullify part
1: of that home advantage. Yeah, I think yeah. I think there's a lot of Scottish fans there's for from my work here going down without tickets and they plan to just go down, stay, go to, I think it's a fan zone under Trafalgar Square and so there will be a lot of Scottish fans in London whether they get tickets to the game, I think that's, that's 25,000 or something, so. Yeah, yeah 22 and a half, so it's tricky. Half, yeah, yeah.
2: It's hard to get tickets, but you know, who knows, I mean, obviously just people have to just do it in a safe way, you know, it's a real shame that we can't do it in the way that we usually do with Trafalgar Square and Scotland being able to get so many more tickets than they'd get this time and all stuff like that. You know, It just yeah. makes it so much harder yeah, yeah. for people. Yeah,
1: As long as there is one picture of one Scotsman peeing in a fight and I'll be happy. <laughs> 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 I mean, that's I mean, inevitable, really. They should put that stuff in that <laughs> swimming pool. Right, so, I mean, uh, getting, getting all sort of match of the day, honestly. So, what I mean, the current form of both teams, I mean, they couldn't be further apart, really, could they, at the minute? I mean...
2: Well, yeah, but I just think, you know, with it being a derby, I think it is different. It is a different game. It exists kind of in its own world, England, Scotland, whether it's at Hamden or at Wembley. And psychology plays such a huge part in sport. And I think psychology is crucial to this game. Now, obviously, you need the individuals and you need whatever the game plan is and the formation the organisation and everything to to nullify whatever threats your opponent has and to take the chances that you hopefully create but I think psychology is so big in a game like this and Scotland I can't make my mind up whether I'm more scared about Scotland because you lost against the Czech Republic or whether I'd be more scared if you won because actually I just think coming on the back of a defeat means that you apt, you know, you're really going to have to go for it even more than you would have already wanted to, have go, to go for it against England. And I just wor- you always worry with England that a, 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 an opening victory might make you just a bit complacent. So right. I, think, I, think it's, I think it's more complex than just saying England go into it in and with a victory and Scotland come into it on a defeat. I just think England-Scotland at Wembley is the game Scotland wanted more than anything. And that's not true of England. And I just think that plays a part.
0: So, I saw on my, uh, my my timeline this morning a uh, comment from a, a Scottish guy. Uh, we have passion, determination, guts. We're patriotic. Have soul and optimism beyond reason. We just can't play football.
2: Well, it, I mean, it's, the problem is with that is it's kind of I get the joke, and I, and I obviously <laughs> just felt terrible for Scotland after the Czech Republic game, because, I mean, particularly the second goal. But but it's not as if you got played off the park. It's not as if it was this dismal, drab performance. You've got Andy Robertson, who can unlock any defence in the tournament. There was a lot of positives to take. And it is the first time Scotland have played in a tournament in quite a long time. And I know everyone says that, and you must get sick of hearing it. But so look at where Spain came from to get where they got. In Euro 96... No one was talking about Spain as world beaters yeah. And it takes yeah. being in tournaments regularly To get used to tournament football And football exists now in, in a completely different place Where it is about fine margins And actually you can watch a game of football Was 2-0 a really a fair reflection of that game? I'm not sure it was You'd look at that game and go Actually Scotland probably played a bit better Than the Czech Republic yeah. But the Czech Republic took their chances And obviously that is where football now exists is that you can have less possession and win. You can be played off the park, but you've just got to take those chances. If you work on that, then that's crucial. And obviously that still takes skill and talent and intelligence and everything else. But I just think... I know 2-0 is so hard to take when everyone's so excited. And it's just crap losing football games anyway. But there's actually, there are genuine things to take positives from. Equally, I know that being told there are things to take positives from by an England fan is the worst thing in the world. So, <laughs> I'll probably shut up now.
1: Yeah, well, the, the, the difference is, you know, Scotland have got Lyndon Dykes and England had Raheem Sterling. So, uh, Lyndon Dykes is an erstwhile Australian Queen's Park Rangers first teamer versus Man City Champions League winner. But, no, I, I think it's going to be... I mean, if you had to nail your colours to the wall, Matt, I do mean, you think 2-1 England or something? Or do you think...
2: I bite your hand off for 1-0. I actually don't care how it's done. Like You know, everyone dreams of like, oh, I want it to be like 10-0 and all these amazing goals. You're like, just... And I'm sure you feel the same. Just win the damn thing, however you have to do it. I don't (laughs) care if it's the most boring game of football ever. I would happily watch a terrible game of football and grind it out 1-0. Because it just means too much. And obviously, for England... And obviously, for Scotland, you want to progress in this tournament. So just, yeah. vict- it's basically victory is the number one thing. So um, if I had to guess, I would say actually, I think it will be quite a kind of, I think it'd be very close. I think it could absolutely go either way. Um, obviously, you know, I went to the England game at the weekend, and it, I think we played in a similar style against Sweden in the World Cup quarter final of just this really composed, relaxed highly organised you know, efficient unit and we played like that against Croatia and I just think obviously Scotland are going to play in the, and actually having seen the way Croatia played against us I think you can beat Croatia so you know, it's not, this is the other thing is that's not out of the question that is absolutely yeah. not out of the question that you're at Hamden and you beat Croatia that is not a ludicrous thing to kind of expect so if I really was forced obviously it's really hard particularly with England being at home and everything to you know, if you were playing it purely on a spreadsheet, you would have to put money on England. But I know that these things don't exist like that. But I would say, I would, I would say, a, 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 a really tight,
1: yeah.
2: narrow win for England.
1: Yeah, I, I, I think so. I, I would, unfortunately, had to put money on. I would put like a a two-one or a one-nil. It's not, not going to be a high-scoring game, I don't think at all. Actually, so, um, but I, I still have a vision though of you know of Tyrone wings in the last minute tripping up Ryan Christie for a Scottish penalty in the 96th minute uh, <laughs> glorious but you can see that this is the thing you know with, with those balls that Robertson puts in yeah just create
2: problems and no matter how good you are people panic it lay on against you know and, and Scotland play feisty football Andy Robertson is fired up you know they are difficult players to play against they provoke opponents into making mistakes you know this is not beyond the realms that someone gets sent off in that game and that could be you know that could be the change and these days penalties are given for all sorts of things these days Uh and on those things you know fate's turn. so it's it's not out of the realms that Scotland gets something I just think purely trying to be as rational as possible trying to think about this if I didn't have any skin in the game if I was doing an accumulator and I was from Sweden I would I would put England to win and I think I don't know
0: why I picked Sweden (laughs) <laughs> I just think that, you know, the but, Swedish accumulator guys would, would say. In England. But but it's it's maybe about much more than football, uh, Matt. It could be about saving the union. This result may be you know, <laughs> well, a diplomatic 1-1 <laughs> draw or something like that to keep the Scots in with a good chance of qualifying. What do you think Boris would say to, to the Scots ahead of Friday and how might that differ from what he'd say after the game? Well, I, look, I want to.
2: I want to. Look, I, I think Scotland has a great chance to, 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 to score a couple of tries. Uh, and to. You know, I think Scotland. <laughs> I think they've got some great. You know, I think the batting technique is great. And I, I just think they've got to they've got to get the puck past the. I don't know, the quarterback. <laughs> and and, and uh, you know, I think they can do it. And I think, you know, Andy Murray's a great, great asset to the Scottish side. You uh, can't. I mean, God knows what he'd say. I mean, I think if you try and. The problem is, let's try and genuinely for a second, figure out what score would save the union, right? <laughs> does, does a Scottish victory um, give people, uh, you know, a sense of strong national identity? And, oh, the, you know, we're a oh, country, yeah. we can do things. You know, does that fuel a sense that Scotland is going places on its own? Or Definitely. does losing to England make people go, fuck them! <laughs> I want out now! You know, I'm not sure there's any... I'm not sure there's any result that actually is good for the union. Maybe a draw. Maybe a draw where England literally let Scotland score or something like that. But even oh. then, I think a lot of Scottish people will go, oh, you patronising bastard. You know, there's literally no... You can't put politics through it. because I, I just think there's... I don't think there's any result that would really... Uh, I mean, I mean, if you're spanked as 5 or 6 nil, then maybe, you know, because I, I think these things do lift nations,
1: so... Yeah, I mean, I, 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 I've lived in Scotland a long time, though, and, and certainly uh, the England games and both football and rugby are the only... Not the only time, but obviously... They are... The, the, the feeling in Scotland for those games is, a, is immense. Oh, yeah. Unlike... I mean, it doesn't matter Scotland against Northern Ireland, nothing... Um, but uh, yeah, it'll be fantastic, and I, I think uh, you yeah, write a draw maybe might, might might keep them calm. I don't know if Nicholas. I wonder if Nicola Sturgeon's got tickets. I wonder if she has. <laughs> yeah, will she be there? I mean, it's quite. Uh... She, she's not a football fan, really, so.
0: She wouldn't be um, allowed to travel. Terry under her own rules. It's non-essential.
1: Oh, and she's in Glasgow, isn't she? So maybe she can't travel. Either. No, no Glasgow. Yeah, yeah that will do. I saw a picture of her last night uh, when Scotland were standing doing the Flower of Scotland. She was also standing in her office. The floor of Scotland, but <laughs> they're back to the camera, and it looked bizarre, actually. Uh, but um, no, I, I think uh, yeah, I'd be interested to see what happens. But I'm sure Boris, he he, he doesn't go to the football, does he? He, he No, no, place. he's not a football man. I mean, maybe what do you call him? The Prince Edward, not Edward. What do you call the guy who's the chairman of the FA? He might get but William. He might have a ticket so But uh, have you got a ticket, Matt? Oh. To
2: England Scotland in that qualifier. But it's not the same. You know, it's, I you know, if I, there was one game I could pick in history, I think it would be that England Scotland game in Euro ninety six to be at, to see the Gascoigne goal. So <laughs> But it would, you know, and I you know and I'd say I, I think there's no point sugarcoating it, and I think Scottish football fans would expect me to say that. You know, it was an incredible moment, and uh it, it's uh, I just wish I'd to see something like that with your own eyes. You know, those they're the moments. And I think there's something about what's great about football is there are certain players that cometh the hour, cometh the man. And I think for Scotland, Andy Robertson is one of those players. That you get the sense that there is some, he will unlock something in this tournament and he will have a big moment. And obviously for us, there's kind of Foden or Grealish, or perhaps Kane, where you go. There's a, there's the stage is there and those elite players. And I think for Gascoigne, obviously there's so many other threads in that goal, his time at Rangers and everything. But I, I just think there's a piece of world-class skill... From a player who was about to be substituted, which is an incredible part of the story. Indeed. And he's, you know, not <laughs> his fittest at the time. All that. And then the celebration, you know. So I just think it's a, it's a fixture with so much history. It's a fixture with so much history at that venue, in this tournament, um, that uh, I, I'm just really delighted to be going. Obviously, I think the danger sometimes with these games is they don't always live up to it. And we forget all the terrible England-Scotland games throughout history that were probably quite crap. And we just remember... You know, sixty-seven uh, and and ninety-six, and, and maybe the you know Don Hutchinson at Wembley, or you know whatever our equivalents have been at Hamden. Maybe, Lee Griffiths's free kicks at Hamden, oh, absolutely yeah. incredible. You know, yeah. not every game has been like that. So uh, you know, the qualifier actually was was pretty rubbish as a game of football a few years
1: ago. But it's, but it's, it's, it's a Friday night. It's eight o'clock kick off. It's prime time for the pubs. You, you certainly in Aberdeen, you can't get a, a beer garden seat worth anything. Um, it's going to be the same I guess all over the UK all over England sort of Scotland but it will be I think it will be an occasion like you say the game might not live up to it in the end possibly but uh, but in it's... the end it's just about victory isn't it that's what both sides <laughs>
2: want you know that that, that is it <laughs> that's what we both want Just you just want to come through it you know football is I think a lot of people don't appreciate this about football there's actually so little pleasure in it because let's say uh, I think maybe it depends what club you support for Forest you know uh, uh, for England, I, I, and I can only share this as my personal perspective, I'm just relieved when we win. I mean, obviously, once you start getting to the latter stage of a knockout tournament, then it becomes a real party. But really then, you, you kind of enjoy it on the day, and then the following mor- morning, you then go back to shitting yourself about what the next game is. So actually, so li- you get so little pleasure out of it over the course of a tournament. It, most of it is being worried sick. You know that horrible sinking feeling if you can see the goal or if you lose. It, it, it's 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 hell actually, being a football fan a lot of the time, and all you want is just just you know just win for God's sake. So actually, yeah. and even then you just enjoy that on the night, and then you know, the following yeah. morning you shit yourself about the Czech Republic or Croatia. So you just like oh God, this <laughs> just never ends.
1: So you were saying you, you've been to, you went to the Croatia game. Yes. Were you allowed to have a beer in your seats or not? No.
2: No, you can't drink in your seats um, in Britain, can you? That, that's no, illegal. No, so, okay, so you But you could have no. a
1: beer in the stadium. You, you could have you a could. beer in the stadium, yeah. Okay, because in Scotland in Hamden, there was no beer anywhere at all, no food or drink at all. They were totally banned, the Scots, for that. So, but I was just curious I mean, though.
2: yeah. Okay. Yeah, I mean, it was only announced late, actually. It was something I was trying to find out, um, and there wasn't any official information, and then, like, two days before, they were like, oh, Heineken will be available. Um, <laughs> I mean, it's tricky, obviously, with COVID... It's difficult because we're living in a situation where so many things aren't allowed, but we're allowing stadiums to be even a quarter full, and that involves people getting on public transport to get there and shared areas where you're not in the open air. I mean, I have to say, Hamden looked the same at Wembley. There was so much space. You know, it felt very, very, very safe.
1: Yeah.
2: Um, Yeah. And and actually, on the telly, the telly makes it look busier. The camera angles on the telly make it look quite. Busy. When you're there, it's incredible how much space you have around you. So, on the whole, so far, and I can only speak of my personal experience of going to Wembley once. It, it was incredibly well run. Yeah. It, it was exceptional,
1: really. It was a big <laughs> fuss. A big fuss in Scotland about the fan zone taking place. Yes. And I, and I saw someone's video last night on, I think it was on Snapchat, somewhere, wherever it was. And whenever Czech Republic scored, the fan zone the guy doing the music started to play 500 Miles by the Proclaimers and the the video was just a couple of Scottish guys going fuck off (laughs) (laughs) and it was like Uh, it was a second goal it was like oh that just looks depressing well
2: you know what I mean I've got got, um, lots of friends in Glasgow and uh, a few of them have been down to that fan zone and it looks brilliant and again it looks really well run plenty of space I mean they've been they haven't been for a Scotland game yet they went for the opening game, the Italy Turkey game on the Friday night, and I think if I was in Glasgow, I'd do that. I'd go there for the non Scotland games, yep. just to kind of enjoy that quite gen- slightly more genteel vibe. I think for I mean I wouldn't go there for Scotland, England. obviously not with my accent, but you know, I, um, you know, I think that would be the test when it's Scotland England is you know hopefully people behave themselves there then.
1: Well, I'm going next Wednesday, which is I think, one of the. France, Portugal, or Germany's Germany, Portugal. Oh, so, brilliant, I brilliant, brilliant.
0: Sorry, uh, uh, Matt. I mean, uh, obviously, the main event is on Friday. On the less significant um, question of who might win the tournament, uh, England are obviously in with a good chance. And I'm speaking as a neutral, there, I think that, that they have got a, a really good chance of, of uh, going the whole way. But if it weren't England, who do you think might be on the podium on the 11th of July?
2: I just think it's, even with my kind of like most hopeful head on, I think it's so hard to look past France. And obviously we haven't seen them play yet, but they were incredible at that World Cup. And I think if we'd have got them in the final, they'd have absolutely destroyed us. They just look incredible. And Mbappe, arguably the best player in the world. So I think France are just... We haven't seen them play yet, so let's see. Obviously they played Germany tonight, so that's very exciting. But I think France... I think it's I think that how Belgium have continually underachieved blows my mind given the players they've got. I mean people talk about like the England golden generation their underachievement. It's insane that you can have the players in the form that they've had Belgium not make it click. So I think there would be a kind of dark horse bet and just obviously it's so hard I thought Spain looked <laughs> Spain didn't look dangerous (laughs) at all against Sweden. I think it's really hard to not look at Germany, Portugal, you know. I mean, Portugal, you see the players they've got. Jesus, you know, incredible talent. So I think actually, if I was being really realistic about it, I think England, uh, uh, I don't know, I I think we'd have to play out of our skin and everything really come together. Um, But, you know, teams do have those tournaments. And like I say, Spain in 96, no one was talking about them. No one would have known then they'd go on to be this dominant global force and I think what I do think with England is what, I think whatever happens in this tournament Southgate has made a huge positive impact just on the way that England play football yeah. he, he has he's completely overhauled it so either he wins something or he gets us to a final or he has left a legacy for his successor that allows them to then build and hopefully win something it's really the first time I can remember a manager being so transformational and yep. uh, he, he's done well, the the challenge for England fans now is we've always said oh he's got to pick players in form he's got- you know you're better off just getting these young teams getting playing together and then you know, let them play they the 17 is they good enough well he's doing that now so we're all about to find out you know and I just think <laughs> you know this is where you know reality bites a bit for, for England Is it's, it's yeah. still a work in progress I think we all have to kind of accept that we probably overachieved at the World Cup to some yeah. extent we got lucky but you have to ride your luck in tournaments and you make your own luck and all that type of thing and um, but we do have really good individuals, that, you know. I don't. I can't rule England out, and obviously, I just want it. I just want to see it so bad, you know. <laughs> but I think France, man, Jesus Christ, you know, they are. Yeah. They're the team to beat. I'm I, I going. I'm I go
0: for Italy as a dark horse. Yeah. They, yeah. Because they could neutralise uh, an attack, I think, and, and they've got the capability to score uh, goals as well. So, yes. yeah.
1: Oh, well I, oh. I I picked a team with no expectations whatsoever and went for North Macedonia. Who <laughs> 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 I also got in the soup steak, but um no, I, I think I think it'll be a final will be. But England will play France or Germany in the next round, I think. Is that how it works?
2: Yeah, it be France, oh. Portugal or Germany. Yeah, <laughs> so if if we top the group. But yeah. even then if a second you know, it's oh. just like, oh God. This Sh- is uh, that's gonna be very hard. But then equally I mean obviously I would rather have an easier route to the final because you want the tournament to go on. When it does it's amazing. You know I've seen us get to three semi-finals, two World Cup semi-finals and Euro's and the country does the momentum builds, you feel it. And it's an amazing thing to have had that in your adult life to to see it, the huge positive good that football does for just just people pick, pick something to be happy about. Yeah. Uh, and obviously every country wants that, and it happens in every country. But it's amazing when it happens to yours. But obviously, I just wanted to see they go that one or two steps further. Um, so obviously, if we want to win the tournament, we're going to have to beat a team as good as France, Germany, or Portugal. Anyway, yeah. uh, you'd rather meet them later in the tournament, but you know, if you, if you, oh god, I, 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 <laughs> who am I kidding? I'd rather, I'd rather other teams knock them out, and then we get to play North Macedonia in the well, final.
1: Well, let, let's hope that that Friday goes to plan, and that both countries are happy and that in the long run Matt, that, Matt, you, you get you get a result that's going to make your summer good and um but we'd, we'd like to thank you for coming on it's been fantastic it's been pretty funny and much appreciate your time
2: oh not at all thank you for it was it was an honor to be asked it was very kind of you to ask so yes. it's a pleasure and um
1: absolutely excellent so. I, you know i
2: have i have not quite divided loyalties but i have so many friends my girlfriend's from glasgow and obviously she loves scotland and I have a genuine affection for Scotland, and I genuinely want Scotland to do well. Um, Obviously, not on the game on Friday; that would be insane. (laughs) And you know, I know I know a lot of Scottish fans are very kind towards England, and I know people really like Southgate and Rashford, and not just on the football side. Oh yeah. Um, yeah, and and people recognise that. And most football fans, you know, football fans get a hard rap, and there's all you know. We are deluded, and we're dreamers, and we're pessimists, and everything. On the whole, I think. Football fans are pretty fair about who the better team has been. Uh, it, certainly after the immediate sting of any result has, has receded. And um, I've always found Scotland fans to, to you know, be, be entirely kind of like quite rational and honest about the whole thing, you know, yeah, actually, I mean, actually not deluded at all. Yeah, and I mean, uh,
1: give them 70 years and they'll forgive you for that. Freedom! So. <laughs> <laughs> <him! laughs> so. Anyway, right, Matt, thank you very much for your time. Thank you both so much thanks Matt thanks, bye. cheers anytime bye take care so that I thought that was very funny
0: yes Matt, Matt was in uh, uh, good form there and uh, let's hope he's in not such good form on Friday evening Terry
1: well he has a ticket obviously yes. to, to go to the game and interestingly enough today a guy at my work told me that uh, one of his pals had bought two hospitality tickets which I'm surprised that they were even on sale but um, he did I would not say who he paid for them but he, they were expensive and apparently, uh, tickets are available. If you yeah,
0: will. and just just picking up on um, uh, the whole David Marshall uh, controversy. I mean, uh, he he is somebody who um, you know found himself in no man's land, uh, partly down to uh, I guess a, a poor decision by one of his colleagues further up the pitch. But today is Bloomsday, Terry. That's a celebration of um, James Joyce's Ulysses, and it's. Um, um, got a telling comment for uh, David Marshall. A man of genius makes no mistakes. His errors are volitional and are the portals of discovery. So let's hope Mr. Marshall is a genius and uh, discovers a way of keeping England out on Friday evening.
1: Yeah, and hopefully people and I think I think the Scots fans are are, are big enough to realise that he got them there in the first place. Um, I mean, he's saving the penalty shootout in the playoffs. So. Um, I think that's it. I mean, it's going to be interesting to see how many Scots are in the stadium on Friday night. I mean, there's the usual, usually they'd have about, they'd manage to get half the tickets somehow. So um, even in COVID times, I know there's a lot going to London. Um, I think they're planning to get to get together in Trafalgar Square. But uh, I, I got a feeling Scotland might get a result out of this game.
0: Yeah, uh, and uh, let's hope they do. I mean, uh, Wales have um, just beaten Turkey two 0 so uh, they've got, I think, three points now, have they? So they're uh, a four, uh,
1: four, four, four points. Though, so sorry,
0: four points. You're quite right. Yeah. So,
1: so we're, we're, Wales, are, Wales are three now, actually. So that's fantastic for them.
0: Yeah, after a howler of a missed penalty by Gareth Bale, I must say. Um, you know, we were talking about it earlier how uh, I think either of us could have um, dispatched that a wee bit better. Needed.
1: I think his top knot would be spun off a little bit as he was running up to it, and just kind of you know, put him put, him, put him off put him off balance slightly. So sort of I so, but uh, <laughs> I don't know. But, uh, indeed. Anyway, we'll see. But uh, no, I think I'm looking forward to watching the the the, the old enemy on the on Friday night, and uh, I'm sure every bar in Aberdeen will be busy as well. Uh, people booked out to see it, and let's that's, that's just hope it's uh, for the for the sake of the union, it's a, a re- <laughs> reasonable result. Indeed, indeed. Um,
0: okay Terry I think that just about wraps it up
1: well I think it's all over
0: it is now
1: yay (laughs) (laughs) see you soon bye till the next time